Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Here's Pastor Ryan. They say that if if you're on fire, people will drive for miles to watch you burn. And that's what we want at Sweet Hills. I want to be on fire. You want to be on fire. Let's be on fire. In our private spaces. The Lord says, if you seek the Father in private and your, your Father in heaven who sees you in private will reward you openly. You know, it's not about a drumming up energy or excitement, like manufacturing it. It's something that comes from a quiet place with the Lord. It's like Moses coming down the mountain just glowing because he had spent time with the Lord. And he covered his head because it was a diminishing glow. But Paul the Apostle would say, but we with unveiled faces are beholding him from glory to glory. Because what the, old, what, the, what the law could not do through Moses, the glory of God is getting brighter and brighter or should be because we are with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror God who then reflects to the world. Glory to glory. The, the, it doesn't diminish the way it did with Moses because we have God in us. Where the Old Testament prophets, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and, you know what I mean, but wasn't within them until later, till after Jesus died and was resurrected. So you and I have the Lord in us. So that glory should be reflecting to the rest of the world. If it's not, then, then our eyes are not good. And Jesus said about our eyes, right? If your eye is good, your eyes are the light of the body. If your eyes are good, then, then light will come in. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of that light. But there's the darkness of self, selfishness that dims that mirror. We need some Holy Spirit Windex reflection. Eyes off the world, eyes onto heaven, onto our Lord, reflecting him. Jesus told Peter, you're mindful of the things of earth, not mindful of the things of heaven. This world dims our mirror, our reflection of the Lord. Fervent means earnest, excited, animated, glowing as in fervency. That doesn't mean that Christians should be like, oh, hallelujah, you know, on level five, every time, every day, every moment. We have hard times, right? We have hard days where we're speaking to our soul. Oh, soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Why are you so downcasted? But generally, we should be on fire. Generally, right? And when you have a bad day, I pick you up. When I have a bad day, you pick me up. We pick each other up, right? But generally, we should be on fire. If we're not, something's wrong with our connection. It's a bad line. And so he was fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew, but he knew only of the baptism of John. Now, the baptism of John, when John was baptizing people in the Jordan, it was a baptism towards repentance in preparation for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was a preparing type baptism 
for the Messiah. Messiah is not here, but he's coming, and whose sandal straps I am not worthy to unloose. Repent. Remember? He said to all who came out, and he said it to everybody. Repent. Repent. He's coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. The axe is at the is laid at the root of the tree. Repent. He told everybody. He wasn't pulling punches like so many churches do today. They want to just give fluffy messages. He was telling them repent. But that baptism, people were saying, okay, what must we do? The soldiers were saying, what must we do? The tax collectors were saying, what must we do? The Pharisees, what must we do? He says, repent. That was just in preparation. So that's all that Apollos knew. He was preaching accurately, but he only had the baptism of John. He only went up to there. The baptism of Jesus Christ, the one that Christians are commanded to be baptized, not for salvation. Don't get married. It's not for salvation. It's to show the world what has taken place within our heart. That we have given our lives to Jesus Christ. And baptism is the union of us with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So Apollos, Apollos isn't preaching that. But he is getting down in his own way. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And so here we, we see Achilla and Priscilla. Remember, Paul left them there in Ephesus, and there they are, and they hear this preacher, Apollos, you know, preaching, but he needed further instruction. And they took him aside to give him those instructions. And it's a good reminder that, and Apollos, by the way, was humble enough to receive those instructions. It's good when corrections have to be made to someone in our lives practically or, in, or further instructions that we take the person aside like Achilla and Priscilla did with Apollos. They took him aside. You know, they didn't make the corrections in front of everyone so that he would be embarrassed. Amen? And so it's good to do that. And it's good in a practical sense to, to take a, a brother or sister or a family member, whenever correction needs to be made, or maybe an employee, or whoever you may have influence or authority over, to be very kind and respectful when, when, when you're instructing someone further. Because nobody likes to be chewed out in front of people, right? But, is that necessarily over, uh, always the case? No, it's not always the case. There, it comes a time for open correction. The Bible says that open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. So there comes a time when open correction is really the, required. But we have to use discernment by the Holy Spirit on when to do so. I think that when whatever the issue is affects those who have witnessed it or heard it, if it affects them, if it can mislead them, something that's said, something that's done, then I think it's, in, it's, it's proper in those cases 
to still make the correction lovingly, but to do it openly so that those who may get affected negatively will not be affected negatively. But yeah, so they pull them aside and they, they dealt with them. Oh, I pray we deal with our children kindly, raising them up in the training and admonishment of the Lord. It's big in my heart because I was mistreated as a kid. I was mistaught. And a lot of the things that we have been raised in, that our parents or maybe grandparents or maybe aunts and uncles, maybe, you know, they came at us wrong when we were young. Don't carry that into your present with the Lord and with your children or grandchildren. Be sweet and kind. Do not provoke your children to wrath, the Bible says. Don't embarrass them. Don't shame them. You know, but by all means, if they need a checking, check them. But, you know, not with uncontrollable anger. But correct them lovingly. Correct them knowing that, you know, we're children of God and he doesn't treat us like that. He doesn't snap at us. Amen? And so we read here that he desired to cross to Achaia, probably to Corinth, Greece, And the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So he he crosses the Aegean. And he's now there in Greece somewhere. And Apollos is being used powerfully by the Lord and he's preaching grace right that we're saved by grace not of works but by grace we can't earn salvation Jesus did the work on the cross and that man people need that people need that today the the lost they don't know how to get right with God it's up to us to tell them it's by grace just believe in Jesus Christ but put your trust in them put your trust in them that's what we mean by we say believe in Jesus Christ put your trust in them Follow him and you're saved. He did the work for you. You don't have to do anything. Just give him your heart. And that's what the world needs. People are coming. In fact, his uh, ministry would become a thriving ministry there in Corinth and in in Greece. And so much so that the, the people in the churches there, as you know, they created a faction. And they called themselves of the Apollos. Of the Apollos, people will often seek to elevate those that God uses and turn them into objects of idolization. Can I get an amen to that? The preacher or the servant that God uses is only an instrument, we must remember. And it is God who fashions that instrument, and it is God who uses that instrument, and so it is God that should be lifted up, that should be glorified. I am not of Chuck Smith. I am of Jesus Christ. I love Chuck Smith. I love Calvary Chapel. But my goodness, we're Christians. We love Jesus Christ. That's who we want to, to be known as. 
And Paul called it carnality in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. He says, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Are you not carnal? Are you not fleshly? Are you not immature? That you're looking upon Paul or Apollos as if they're celebrities, as if they're rock stars, as if they should be idolized. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. He is who is something. It's God. It is God. It is God. The reason why he would use any of us, it is God. If there's anything good you see in me, it is because of God. He gets the glory. I'm just a knucklehead. Saved by grace. Christ lives in me as he lives in you. If you've accepted him, the hope of our glory. Unbelievable. It is all God. We live in an era of celebrity preachers, don't we? We see them. Who seek to look as cool and as attractive to the world as possible. I ain't against cool, and I ain't against dressing okay, you know what I mean? But it, it's the attitude, it's the, it's so you can tell, at least I can tell, that they're very much into themselves, into their look way too much. Old men trying to fit in super skinny jeans and be like, you know, they're like teenagers. No. Can't you see the world can see through that? Jesus came lowly and riding on a donkey. I'm not saying I got to own a donkey and come in here next week on a donkey. I like my Jeep. That's not what I'm saying. It's the attitude of humility. Be humble. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, Paul would say, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You know, it's just about the attitude of being humble. I think especially preachers, because we, we, we know through life experiences, or should know, that there will be some people who will tend to try to elevate us. So we, as preachers, should try regularly to keep an eye out for that, to be those who say, you know what, all glory goes to the God. I'm just a man like you are. All glory goes to the God. To really try to dissuade people, to just, is that the word, right, when you're trying to get them to not do something, to dissuade them from, from looking at us like we're something more special than anybody else. We are all equal in God's eyes. So we should know that, so we should try to diminish that and try to dissuade people from doing that. How many times did Peter say, get up, I'm just like a man like you, when they bow down to him. I mean, you see some churches, people are prostrated before the priests. Prost like on the floor. When my kids saw that, they'd say, is that Jesus? Why are they bowing down like that? 
No, it's not Jesus. Because you know we only bow down to him. But I see some preachers who promote themselves. I mean, they put their names on everything. It rubs me wrong. I'm not condemning anybody. It just, in the light of what's going on in the world, I love John the Baptist saying more now than ever before. Jesus must increase, but I must. The word he uses is must in a decrease. I must decrease. I must decrease. The way up is down. I must decrease. Because fame, prestige, notoriety, influence, some of these preachers want that in the worst way. So we, we have to fight against it. That's just the way it is. We have to fight against it. And sure, they say it's about Jesus and the gospel, but you look at their marketing, they sure do take a lot of pictures of themselves. Oh my goodness. The poses. You know, it's like Instagram. Like now, we know out of the heart, Instagram speaketh. You want to know what's important to a person, check out their Instagram. It's sad. You know, not all things on social media are bad. That's one of the good things that reveals the heart of a lot of people. I have to make it, we have to make it a point to dissuade attention off of ourselves and to God. Especially in 2021, this crazy year we're living in. Remember that movie? What was that movie? Uh, two, year two, was it 2000, The Space Odyssey? What was it? Was it 2000? 2001. We're 20 years beyond that. Crazy. And one of the biggest things in the last days is that men will be lovers of themselves. And that's what Satan pushes. Do your own thing. Be your own person. Think for yourself. No, I'm a created child of God. And I'll let my father guide me. Because he knows what's right. There is a struggle in the human heart that wants adulation from people. But as we walk in the spirit, we don't need or want that. God doesn't want any flesh to glory in his presence. We'll end with this verse. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Yeah, we'll start in verse 18 because it's so good above it too. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So what God is declaring here is that the philosophies of the world, right? The philosophies of, that, are, that are in Ephesus, the philosophies that are in Athens, the philosophies that are at Harvard, the philosophies that are at MIT, and every almost other. You find a university I can send my kids to, please let me know. Guys, our message, his message, it's just foolishness to them. We have to be okay with that. Some people are not. Some people really want them to love us. Some people really, really, I really want them to like us. 
it says here that they think our message is foolishness. Now, we're trying to win them over. We're trying to share Christ lovingly and powerfully and win them over. But let us not be deceived. Generally, the populace thinks it's foolish. There's no other way. But to us who are saved by that message, it is power. It is the power of God. Verse 20 says, where is the wise? This is God asking the question, like, show me the wise men of this world. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. So here the word says, it pleased God that the message was simple. Man is full of sin, born in his sins, and Jesus Christ came to save us. By dying for the punishment of our sins on the cross, and then on the third day, raising, rising from the dead so that we can have a new life where we're not practicing sin anymore. And he gives us his Holy Spirit and he gives us eternal life. That message, it pleases God that it's so simple so that it's just a stumbling block to the Jews who, who want to work, 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 work to be saved. And to the Greeks who say, well, how does that, how does that figure with Plato and Socrates? You know, it's like, too book smart. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. But God is pleased that it's a simple message. We need to be confident in that. I'm cool. We don't need this, the wise of this world to like us. We hope they do. We hope that they, that they come to know Christ. We hope. I don't, want, I don't want them to be mean to them or them to us. But the reality is the message is offensive. It's too simple. And that's the way God likes it, apparently. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. But to those, verse 24, who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God's, God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, Paul would say, look around, Look around. Paul is basically saying, you see your calling? That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence I mean I read the word of God and I think to myself I'm such a sinner I'm such a sinner all of us from time to time get uppity what happens when we get a little too you know are we supposed to come in a we're supposed to you know is the, what's the kingdom of God supposed to look like it's supposed to look like us supposed to look like us earthen vessels crackpots with treasure 
beyond words living in us. But we can become so, how do things appear on the outside? Aesthetically, how is one dressed? I just read this and it's blessing, it blesses me. Blesses me, remember. Expect the base things. Expect the foolish things. To confound the wise, it is God's plan. God has chosen the despised, the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. He wants the church to look like you and me. He's okay with the world looking in on us, thinking, well, they don't look like much. Look at how he's dressed. Look at how she's dressed. Look at how little education he or she has. Perfect. That's who we are, and I'm proud of it. And you guys are wise, wise beyond your years, for you love Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapman, above.